We ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan and with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false, in order that all may be condemned who do not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. This is an incredible passage, one that I trust you have studied one that reminds us that a time is coming in which the lawless one, the man of lawlessness, will deceive the world. He will come under Satan's control. Satan will, through him, exercise uh, false signs, wonders, and apparent supernatural power. You've got to keep this passage in mind. For we live in a day in which people are pursuing these and are doing so without discernment. And one day, this one, it says, opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God, but then he takes his seat in the temple of God, the next temple to be built, proclaiming himself to be God. Jesus gave us this and said it was the abomination of desolation, the desecration of the temple by the one the Scriptures call the Antichrist. Look at our world. I'm just wondering, what do you think about the contemporary scene? And how should we as believers respond? How should we uh, live in a world like this? I have had a number of conversations with a man who I deeply appreciate. His name is Ron Rhodes. Ron has been an apologist most of his, uh, his teaching ministry and then moved into the area of prophecy and wrote a series of books. And Ron and I have had some fascinating exchanges talking about what is taking place in our world. And I was uh, able to spend some time with Ron, and, and I can remember saying, Ron, I don't know about you, but it just seems to me that uh, prophecy is what uh, really is one of the biggest reasons we can demonstrate to the world that the Word of God is the Word of God, because God knows the future, and only God knows the future. And therefore, if this claims to be the Word of God, and 30% of it, when it was written, was about future events— then we can have confidence in the Word of God, and yet it seems like few of us are communicating that to an unbelieving world that needs to understand the truth of the gospel found in the Word of God. Ron likes to look at this as, uh, well, the Bible is kind of God's uh, intel in advance. 
Bible prophecy is kind of like God's intelligence regarding what the world's going to look like in the end times just prior to the second coming of Christ. The precedent has really been set when you think about it. Back in the Old Testament, there's over a hundred prophecies that are very specific that deal with the first coming of Christ. I mean, I could talk about Isaiah 714, which says he's going to be born of a virgin. He's going to be born in Bethlehem, according to Micah 5.2. He's going to be crucified for our sins, Zechariah 12.10 and Isaiah 53. I mean, I could just give you a long list of these. They were all literally fulfilled. All the verses that prophetically foretell events of the end times will come to pass just as literally as all those prophecies of the first coming. Now, notice what he said, because it's it's really very important. This does not mean that there's not figurative language. There is, especially in the book of Revelation. I mean, we'll, we look at it, and we have to realize that there are times in which John on the island of Patmos was trying to describe something he could not even comprehend. But, you know, one of the biggest questions that, that we can legitimately have is, you know, how in the world did devout Jews, who just absolutely esteem their scriptures— to the point where when you go to the Dead Sea Scrolls and you see how accurate they are, it is mind-bending what they would do in order to maintain the integrity of what they clearly recognized as certain books, like from Isaiah, Ezekiel, and others, that these were ultimately coming from God, to the point where scribes would be able to put a pin through a, a number of pages of Scripture and could tell you the exact letter it landed on, that they had literally the capacity to understand it in various dimensions because they were so precise. And the Dead Sea Scrolls proved that. So the question becomes, you know, how did the Jews miss it? How did they miss the arrival of Jesus Christ? They were looking for a political leader to step into the Middle East mess and bring peace. Peace not only to Israel and Israel's neighbors, but literally peace to the world. Jewish leaders basically understood that when the, the Messiah came, the Messiah would rescue the Jewish people from Roman domination. They expected sort of a military kind of a leader to show up. And so here Jesus shows up as a lamb, you know, a nice humble lamb that rides on a donkey. That's not exactly their expectation. Well, here's the problem. Back in the Old Testament, there were verses that prophetically foretold both the first coming and the second coming. Problem is, is that when you read it, sometimes you don't see that there's a big time gap in between them, in between even an individual verse with one part of it talking about the humble Son of God coming in the first coming, and then the glorious King of Kings coming in the second coming. And so from the Jewish vantage point of the first century, they just missed it. Uh, they should have understood that Jesus was the Messiah. After all, the, uh, the Bible in Isaiah 35 and Isaiah 11 says that when the divine Messiah comes, the lame will walk and the blind will see and the deaf will hear. Well, you know, Jesus did all those things when he came. So the Jewish leader should have recognized Jesus as the Messiah. But they were blinded. Here's the good news, though, John. Uh, the Bible does talk about the reality that in the end times, uh, right before the second coming of Christ, the Antichrist will be moving against the Jewish remnant. And finally, the Jews will recognize Jesus as the Messiah. They will cry out for his rescue. And the Lord Jesus will return and smite the enemies of God and, and rescue that Jewish remnant. And so, like, uh, like Paul says in Romans 9-11, through 11, God is not finished with Israel yet. He still has a plan for Israel. And one day, a Jewish remnant will be reborn and, and turn, into, uh, turn to Jesus the Messiah. And that day may not be too far off. 
I mean, it is amazing to think of what is taking place. The very existence of Israel, 70 years there in the land, miraculous to say the least. Uh, the capturing of uh, Jerusalem in 67, uh, a miracle. In fact, if you study what took place and you understand how outnumbered they were, I mean, it's obvious the hand of God was upon them. But they're there in unbelief. They have not trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior. But we need to take the Word of God, and we need to explain Bible prophecy to people. What really brought me to the gospel was when I was told about Bible prophecy, and it intrigued me. I had never heard that Jesus was even returning. I knew nothing about that. I knew nothing about the fact that there were numerous prophecies that pointed to his first coming. From the city of Bethlehem where he would be born, that he would be born miraculously of a virgin, and on and on, Isaiah 53, that he would be crucified, Roman crucifixion, which Isaiah described before there even was crucifixion uh, at the hands of, uh, of Rome. And prophecy is used of God to substantiate the Word of God, and it is used to bring people to a point where they want to study the Word of God and then come to know the truth of the gospel and trust in Christ. That's what happened to me, and that's what happened to Ron Rhodes. I've already told you before that I used to be pursuing a Hollywood career, and I was out there in Hollywood doing all these big shows like The Tonight Show and American Bandstand with Dick Clark and, you know, mm -hmm. you know, all these shows. And you know what got my attention? It was biblical prophecy. In fact, it was Pat Boone and his family that actually shared this with me. I didn't even know that there was such a thing as the second coming. I had wow. no idea what that was. And so uh, I got interested in Bible prophecy, and that led me to become a Christian. And the books that I started to read were all the books by the uh, Dallas Theological Seminary faculty, you know, men like John Wolvert and Charles Ryrie and all those guys that used to be at the seminary. And uh, i tell you what, I, I just couldn't get enough. I just became so hungry for the Word of God, and I just came alive. And we need to be able to defend the truth that was once for all given to the saints. And I can tell you this, John, if we leave the defense of Christianity up to the professionals, if we leave it up to the professionals, we've lost the battle. We're in trouble. We're in Big trouble. Time. Unless the average Christian gets involved in the process, we've lost. And so I take it very, very seriously. And rightly so. And let me just say, you need to be ready to give an answer for the faith that's within you. You need to be ready to explain Bible prophecy. Ron came to faith in large measure because he was intrigued by Bible prophecy. I mean, it demonstrates the supernatural character of the Word of God. And now we live in a world in which even pagans, unbelievers, secular people, when you say, wouldn't it be nice if someone came on the scene that could just kind of clean up the mess, which is, well, our world, not just our country, but the world. The, the world is on the edge. And you know what? When the world is like this... The anxiety level is really, it's, um, it's off the scales. And people are looking. They're looking for a leader. Because like right now, what we find is, well, most people are disenchanted with their leaders. Macron of France, I mean, they're ready to, to oust him. Trudeau in Canada. Even Merkel in Germany is in trouble. Of course, we have a lot of political stability in the United States, don't we? No, the world is looking for a leader. They're ready for a leader, someone that'll step up and say, hey, I can figure this out. Follow me. 
uh, as the world continues to get worse and worse, with problems escalating at every level, people will be crying out for an answer. We're going to witness continued tensions all over the world, I think, centered on Israel. It's going to become a sore spot. Well, it already is a sore spot in the world. We're going to have nations conflicting with other nations, and I think that this is going to continue to, to escalate and hit us on a very personal level with people just not being able to make it financially. And people are going to want somebody that's got the answers. And I tell you, it seems like more and more people are headed towards the global solution. This idea that if the world is going to be okay and survive, the problems of the world must be approached globally, and we need some kind of a leader to take global control and, and global leadership. And that's where we're headed. And so this is not something that's just distant future. This is something that we're seeing the stage set in our own day for what's going to be t- actually taking place during the future tribulation period. And we have ample reason to believe that time is short and that the one that the Bible predicts will come and eventually be literally possessed by Satan could well be on the planet even as I speak. That means we need to be people of prayer. We invite your prayer for us and for this ministry, and we invite your partnership during these critical times. If there's any way we can help you to know Jesus Christ, to live for Jesus Christ, please let us know. Go to livetheword.org, go to the contact page, and you can email me through the website. Have a great weekend, and join us again on Monday.